This is Pat Colligan, president of the New Jersey State Policeman's Benevolent Association. We're speaking cops with the Back the Blue Cut podcast, the official podcast of the New Jersey State PBA. We're speaking here about the work our members do every day in our communities and correctional facilities and the way they continue to serve as frontline heroes. We're also speaking about the legislative, labor relations, health benefits, and other issues that directly impact our members and their families. This podcast is made possible by Flemington Car and Truck Country, offering cars and trucks specially discounted for PBA members. We want to thank all of our sponsors who back our nearly 40,000 active and retired members. Jeff and Debbie Rosen at Lending the Heroes, the Florida House Experience, Capital Benefits, and New Jersey Cops Magazine. To connect with any of our sponsors, log on to njspba.com forward slash New Jersey Cops Magazine. Hey guys, Bill Spadia back with you. Welcome back to our newest podcast, Speaking Cops, Back the Blue, brought to you by my good friends at the New Jersey State Policemen's Benevolent Association, my good friend Pat Colligan, who serves his union well, and all his members, and of course my friend Mitchell Krugel, who runs NJ Cops Magazine, both sponsors of this podcast. And the purpose of our podcast, and I've talked about this uh, for years now, you know, every Friday I do hashtag Blue Friday, and we make sure that we are backing the blue, as I say, over and over and over again. There is a thin line between civilization and savagery, and that line is blue. It is so critically important, especially in these very challenging and difficult times where cops are really pushed to the limit to make sure that we value and respect the job they do every single day on behalf of the rest of us. You can go to njspba.com. Make sure you click on the link for the NJ Cops magazine. You go right to the sponsor page where you can see all of the great companies throughout New Jersey that back the blue the way we do every day. Now, I've got a very special guest for this episode. His name is Mike Freeman. And Mike Freeman is uh, with PBA Local 55 in Summit. He is also the vice president for labor relations for the state PBA, and he joins me now. Mike, great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm doing well, Bill. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. So let's get right into it, because a lot of cops listen to this podcast. A lot of cops um, get the you know NJ Cops magazine. And one of the things that Pat and Mitch and I talked about when we set this podcast up was how do we serve as a resource for police officers? Because you know we hear horror story after horror story when it comes to the budget shortfalls. We've heard three and a half billion shortfall just this year, potentially another six billion next year. And obviously, some of that money is going to come out of aid to local municipalities. And I know that under the budget crunch, too often politicians go to the cops first. We see it happening in other parts of the country. We see it happening in California. We saw it happen in Atlantic City. What do you want the officers to know as far as the advocacy they're going to get from you and from the PBA to stand up for their jobs? Well, basically here at State PBA, we want to make sure that everybody understands what's going on. We did have, uh, as the crisis hit, we knew it was going to be bad. We didn't know it was going to be this bad, of course. Um, our first objective was to make sure that the officers were safe. We wanted to make sure that the policies were in place, to make sure that the uh, PPE was available, that disinfectants were available, that the cops were, that the policies were put in place, that they were able to change their work schedules or whatever it may have been to limit exposures. Basically, cops were uh, seen as super spreaders. Um, so if you were to go out into the public and you were infected in one call, you would affect, infect the cops that were next to you, would infect the public. And that was one thing we were really concerned with in the beginning. Uh, after we got most of that settled, most of the municipalities were very good with that. There were some that were reluctant to do anything about it. Um, and that 
harmed a bunch of our members. So once we got through to that, to those municipalities, we started to see a mellowing and everything was good. Um, and then the budget issues came up. Obviously, this is expensive. There's going to be a loss of revenue around the state, around the country, and the revenues are, are substantial in some cases. However, we're not sure as to what that loss is going to be. And what we began to see, particularly in one municipality, was basically a premature uh, rush to get rid of the contracts that were existing, <clears throat> uh, cut the cops' salaries. Uh, one, in that case, actually a, a, a fire department contract was signed on April 13th, and they came back on April 20th and said, this, this crisis is crazy, we can't afford this, so you're going to have to take back the raise. We're going to have to take back the raise that we just gave you, but all the givebacks that you gave in, 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 in conjunction with that raise, we're going to keep those in place. We're going to keep the health care changes. We're going to yeah. keep everything else. Of course, right? That's how it works. You know, we, we, uh, we did a nice deal. We're just going to renege on our part of the deal. That's exactly what happened. That's what we believe happened. We believe it's an unfair labor practice, but unfortunately we can't get into PERC right now because of the circumstances. And that was all done under a threat of layoffs and demotions uh, throughout the fire department and the police department if all the unions don't agree to this deal, so to speak. This, was, this actually happened in South Orange, and it's very disappointing that the village president came out and said that the loss of revenue is, is confirmed, it's guaranteed. We're not going to be able to open the pools. We're going to lose $554,000 from recreation. We're going to lose all sorts of things that were revenue generators that they particularly thought were revenue generators. And we're going to, since we won't get that money, we have to cut these cops' salaries. The reality is it was absolutely premature because, as in fact it turns out, the revenue is only tied to the programs. If you're not running the programs, they don't cost anything. So there's no revenue involved in that. It turns out they are actually opening the pool. They are actually having some of these recreation programs that weren't in the spring, but they will be going through the summer. So that revenue is coming in. Yet they're holding the position that if these police officers don't take this demotions or don't take this, this pay cut, essentially, that we've agreed to, that the contract's there, it's, Mike, it's disappointing. Let me ask you, <laughs> you know, it, it's maddening to me. I've been been on this uh, since I started my media career seven years ago and talking about cops. And, you know, and uh, one of the ways Pat Colligan and I became friends is I said, somebody's got to get out there ahead of this and change the narrative. The narrative always seems to fall along, blame the cops first. You know, the cops are guilty until they prove otherwise. And, and I, for one, was sick of it. I know uh, you and your members are sick of it. What? empowers these politicians to come after your guys first well certainly there are they're an easy target our uh, our salaries are our salaries are, are normal they're good we do get a, a, a good salary we, we, do, we do command a good benefits package it's a good job to be a police officer but it's yeah. also a very challenging job it's a very difficult job to me I, i've been a cop for 25 years it's yeah. a very tough job i love it absolutely love most aspects of it there's some that are very unpleasant and you never know what that challenge is going to be. And you need the best and brightest to be able to do it, to be honest with you. Anybody can get a job. It's tough to be able to be good at that job. Mm -hmm. And if you're inside of a town that you don't recognize what it takes for a police officer to be good at his job, to be able to show up at anyone's house at any time and solve that problem, not knowing what it was, not knowing any of the people involved, but he is or she is empowered or it's mandatory that we solve that problem. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. So it's easy to say they're not doing anything. There's you, no you crime here. You said that. 
Mike, I'm glad you said that, especially in a town like Summit. I've got friends who live in Summit. I mean, Summit is one of the nicest towns in New Jersey for sure. You've got higher-end incomes, wealthy estates, all these things. And people think like, ah, come on, there's no crime there. Any cop that's ever responded to a domestic, uh, domestic abuse call knows that it doesn't matter whether you are in Atlantic City or Summit or Ridgewood or the Upper East Side. It is a dangerous time for law enforcement. That's true. Uh, as you said, Summit is a very nice town. I grew up in Summit. I love the city. It's great. Um, I've worked. I worked midnights for many years. And one thing that I recognized, if I were involved in a in a robbery or a car chase, whatever it may have been, I had the three or four other cops that were working with me that night that were going to be there. They're going to be there right away, as as quickly as possible. If that car chase went into, say, the city of Newark, which is arguably more dangerous. There were easily 50 cops there within seconds if there was anything that got hairy, yeah. got crazy. Um, and that's that's the difference. It's not so much that it's it's there's less violence. It's just just more danger because you're working with fewer people. That's one one circumstance. And there's a whole different variety of calls that you have to answer that in, in Newark or, or, or Patterson or wherever, where there's more shootings. Obviously, it's unfortunate that that happens in, in some of the cities. You, you never get used to that. And it's never immune to that, even in Summit or South Orange or any other municipality in, in, in what, the state. Uh, Mike, what do you want to say to your members who are understandably concerned? I mean, now as you get past the health crisis, you know, now we deal with the reality of the economic crisis, the social crisis, the tension we're having over, you know, who's enforcing what. I mean, all these things are happening now. But, but when it comes down to it, cops thinking about is retirement. Uh, health benefits and salary. What do you want to say to the members who are listening right now saying, yeah, well, you know, I joined the force seven years ago. I don't know. What does my future really look like? Well, that was a big concern when uh, Mitch McConnell started talking about the states going bankrupt. A bunch of retirees thought they weren't going to get their pension. They, they called. They were, they were very concerned about that. Obviously, it was political fodder, so to speak. Um, we basically are, we have a constitutional right to our pensions. They were earned. We're okay with that. Um, it shouldn't be a concern with the health benefits and things that are going on for an active member. All that's contractually, uh, agreed to mm -hmm. basically, uh, the money essentially is there even in municipalities that are going to take a hit because of lost revenue, whatever it may be. There is a surplus from before that's their rainy day fund. Uh, I can't imagine anything being more rainy than this. So we have to get some of that money used. That's, to make a, sure that's, a, great, that's a great point, Mike. And, you know, I, I think that uh, you can interpret McConnell's comments one way or the other. I think on one hand, it makes some sense that some of these states get some protection. But for the point that they need to make good on their obligations, you know, the, the, <laughs> the people that always get left out are the hardworking folks that are working for $60,000, $80,000 a year, the support of family on that. Doing that in Jersey, I don't care if you're making 110 as a cop. Uh, it's 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 tough in this environment. Um, what uh, what can members expect over the course of the next year? I mean, I, I don't know where our governor is going to go with this. I know that we've got examples of governors like, you know, I mentioned to you off the air, Gavin Newsom in California, um, who right away is trying to play politics between him and Trump over the money. Uh, you know, what do you say? And do you credit some of the battle that took place over the last couple of years where leaders like Pat Colligan, the PBA president, fought hard and got those cop pensions separated from the nonsense going on in Trenton? 
I believe the work that Pat and Mark did, along with Eddie Donnelly um, and everybody at the FMBA, yeah, yeah. I think it was just unbelievable uh, that we were able to get that done. But the reason we were able to get that done was because we were different. Certainly we were different, and we were different from years ago. Mike Madonna, when this whole pension holiday issue started, uh, he refused to take the pension cut, basically. He, he made sure that mm -hmm. the police and fire pension didn't take a reduced uh, payment, basically. We yeah. increased our payment. Yeah. And we were able to keep that afloat through the pension holiday, through the lack of payments from the state, uh, through the lack of payments from the municipality, which were certainly caught up since then. Mm -hmm. But our fund stayed strong. So because our fund stayed strong and because it's still universally strong uh, by all accounts for pension purposes, we are separate and we are we're strong. We're we're we're, we're very so appreciative. Bottom of line before. is, your guys should be insulated from these budget deficits at the state and local level. Where do uh, cops go for the resources? Should they just go to the website njspba.com, and there are resources there for individual members. If they have any questions, if they're concerned, we do have resources on njspba.com. We also have an app just specifically for PBA members with a document section, and we update the whatever news may be uh, to let them know where uh where things are going from they can talk to their individual local presidents or they can have the president delegate call the state office and we can talk to any group at any time we never have a problem doing that we want to make sure that everybody's very comfortable with what's going on um and we're here to, to serve and protect the men and women who serve and protect the community mike freeman man thank you you are a real hero and a real champion of your uh, the men and women that are heroes for the rest of us thank you i appreciate your time today and keep up the great work keep the fight know that as long as i have a mic you and your members have a voice and i appreciate you very much we really appreciate the support bill thank you very much you got it all right that is mike freeman who is the labor relations vp for the uh, new jersey state policemen's Benevolent association i was great to have his company on this podcast and again remember thank our sponsors the new jersey state policemen's Benevolent association go to njspba.com make sure you find the link for nj cops magazine and um, give a shout out and help all those businesses that back the blue the way we do every day right here on new jersey 101.5 thanks again mike Take care.